0: (coughs) Thank you, you just get better and better. (laughs) Um, Thanks. Well, it's uh, great to be back, although I haven't been away. Uh, Well, actually, I did go away, but and I went caravanning. I learned two things. When your wife, and you're packing things up, gives you the uh, sheets and stuff like that that she's just bought and puts them in a big black bag, do not take it out to the trash. (laughs) Uh, So that lot went west. And the other thing is, uh, if you're going to have a shower in a caravan, do check that there's water in the tank, because I got well and truly lathered up, and the water ran out. (laughs) Much to uh, Fliss's huge amusement, it was all I could do to stop her taking an Instagram shot. (laughs) So uh, anyway, if one appears, you've got to let me know, all right? Okay, Uh, let's just pray, I want to get straight into God's Word. Uh, Lord, I just simply want you to be glorified, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I want you to be glorified and lifted up and Father, pray that you would, uh, you would do more than presence yourself with us as you have done so beautifully in the worship, but Lord God, you would open our eyes, Holy Spirit, open our eyes, Jesus, open our eyes to see what uh, you are doing, that we may join in, in the family business and everyone said. Amen, amen. I'm going to do something a little different. Uh, I want to end up, hopefully, uh, time allows, doing a little ministry. And um, <clears throat> what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out the words of knowledge now. Uh, and uh, then maybe we will, we will certainly pray for everybody at the end of the service on, the, on my right, your left. But uh, I'm hoping to have an opportunity to pray for one or two people on that list. And these words of knowledge are the fruit of our prayer and intercession. There's a group that meets before the service. You can be part of that group if you so wish. For, Praise for the service for the day. And as you know, uh, the Lord gives them prompts. Uh, we call them words of knowledge. In fact, the scriptures call them words of knowledge. And then we, we read them out at the end. So let me just read these out now. And then, I, and then I just want you to kind of ask yourself, is that me? Does that resonate with me? So there's somebody here with problems with their right eye somebody with a problem with their left calf and knee, someone with a painful right wrist after a fall, somebody who's suffering from an irregular heartbeat, someone who is suffering from memory problems, someone with a pain under their left arm, Uh, somebody with a pain in the left side of the stomach, somebody with a growth on the colon, Uh, somebody with a right hand that is uh, stiff, somebody who's been struggling with depression, somebody with mouth ulcers, struggling with uh, cancer diagnosis, uh, that's another person and then someone who has long term problems with their left shoulder joint and somebody who is ex- has experienced and is coping with I'm trying to process a personal tragedy now all of those are words that the team uh, felt the Lord was prompting them and we would normally read that at the end of the surface and invite you to come forward and get prayer we say as if it resonates with you it may not be a perfect fit but if, it, if you just get that sense that that's for you well then go and get prayer and uh, so we'll just park that now and uh, just, you know, just sit there and let that one... Oh, hi there, sorry, I'm dazzled by the lights. Uh, and uh, just let that uh, sit with you. Okay, so uh, this is the number three in what is proving to be a wonderful series called Truly, Truly. And I just want to say thank you to Richard, who uh, launched the uh, series three, uh, three weeks ago. And thank you, by the way, for the wonderful weekend that we had uh, here, the party and the send-off, and thank you also for your, your generous gift to Fliss and myself, it, it's just, it, it has, we really felt loved, and I just want to say thank you, but uh, back on track, thank you uh, Richard for three weeks ago introducing this series, did a great job, you know, greater things, well, we do, and then last week um, I was here and uh, Denise did just, I, I mean, I think that's the, well, I don't know. I just think that was wonderful. Uh, give us more. And uh, thank you so much, Denise. That was a wonderful... Yeah, they both deserve a clap. <clears throat> and today, I, wanna, I want to look at John 5:19. 19. Uh, and if we can just throw that up on the screen. This is a very important verse. The whole of Scripture is important to us. But it's, I found it to be a very important verse to me. Because for me it was—it led to a breakthrough in understanding one of the key components of what one, one might call power ministry: praying for people to get well. You know, ever since I started became a Christian, I I just felt an, an innate need to pray for people, pray for healing for people. But it was some several years later on that when I met John Wimber for the first time, uh, who was the founder of our movement that a number of things came together and I grew in understanding. But for me, and I want to share this verse with you today, uh, you know, this was an absolute breakthrough. If you like, it, it, it was a PowerPoint, something I thought, yes, right, now I understand. And this verse then is uh, from John 5, just as Denise's was. And it says, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself that made my ears pick up because I always thought Jesus could do everything heck he walked on water but he said nothing, Jesus said the son can do nothing by himself he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son also does so that that made me think straight up of, oh and I started praying father show me what you're doing father Show me what you're doing. And I want to align myself with that. Show me what you're doing. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but I now actually want to put that in its whole context. Context, excuse me. And so we're going to look at John chapter 5, and we're going to read the first uh, 23 verses. Please follow in your Bibles. I'm, I'm a great fan, even though I'm well into the old, you know, computer thing, interweb, whatever you call it, you know very au fait with, uh, with, you know, that thing. Um, I'm a great lover of the, uh, of the book itself, and if you haven't got one for yourself, you may have it on your, your app, or you may have it on your, your iPhone, do ask for one of these if you need one. So, John chapter 5 says this, <clears throat> Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked, do you want to get well? Interesting question. But his whole livelihood, his whole identity now, after 38 years, was that of a beggar invalid. It was a good question, actually. Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. That's a reference to a belief that an angel periodically came and stirred the waters in this pool of Bethesda. And the first one in experienced healing. And so he's saying, look, I've been waiting. I've been beside this pool, but because of my condition, even though I struggle to get in, somebody always beats me to it. So I've been trying to get healed for 38 years. So then, verse 8, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. Woo-hoo! The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Oh, great. So they asked him, who is it? Who is this fellow who told you to pick up? Um, Sorry, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So I did. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. Wow. He had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. The crowd presumably was going wild. This guy was a well-known, you know, member of the invalid community, and suddenly he's picking up his mat and he's walking. Later, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. (laughs) Stop sinning, or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said that my father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do that which he sees the father doing. So he's, he's saying, look, I understand the fab- Sabbath. You know, heck, I helped write it. <laughs> you know? The truth is, the father was doing it and I do what the father... So if the father's doing it, well then I'm going to do it. So this absolutely enraged them. You know? Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Well, you can imagine, uh, this absolutely uh, stirred up a nest of hornets in terms of opposition to Jesus. Because when they accuse him of making himself equal with God... He doesn't say, oh, no, 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 we're all sons and daughters of God, you know, that's what I mean. He doesn't try and play it down or explain it away, he makes it worse. He effectively says, and what's more, and what's more, and what's more, and he finishes by saying, and what's more, you know, I'm going to judge you. Well, that, that, that um, went down well. I want to spend a few moments here then just unpacking this equal with God because this is the absolute foundation of any kind of ministry in the power of the holy spirit an understanding of this is absolutely foundational based on these three or four things that jesus says about him we can learn much first of all jesus was about his father's business about his father's business you know the father is at work therefore i'm at work too you know uh, it has been said many times and it's worth repeating that all too often our prayers fail because we're just bringing to God our, our agenda and as I think Rich said uh, today I think he said this wait on God and find out what his agenda is or was that Denise I cannot remember sorry forgive me but essentially we bring God's we bring to God our concerns. Lord, you know, you know, I've got this happening today and that happening and the other happening and I could do with a bit of help there and this. And Lord, what do you want me to do? Do you, do you want me to build a conservatory or not build a conservatory on the house? All this kind of stuff, you know. We bring it all to God. You know, there's nothing actually wrong with that. Providing we don't forget that the first order of, day, of the day should be to come before God and say, Lord, it's me. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. Every son and daughter listens out for the Father's voice. Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, which implies he's speaking. And so if God is speaking, you know, there are many things uh, uh, that I am still wanting to do in my life, in Felicity's life. Uh, but I really want to follow God. Amen? So begin the day by saying, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's a good place to start. Good place to start. Just as Samuel was, was taught to say by Eli, his, his mentor, when God was speaking to him, he didn't recognize God's voice to begin with. Speak, Lord, for your servant hear it. So the first thing then is, uh, if we're to be about our father's business, and we have this love, this little term that over the year has kind of, over the years has developed here, where we talk about we're about our far, we're, we're about we're part of the family business now. You know, you're a follower of Jesus, you're part of the church. We're part of a family business. I love that kind of sense of being in it together. We are all part and have a place in the family business. And so it begins with us seeking God's face, saying, "What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?" And when I'm doing ministry, usually, I mean, here, as I, I'm in a different position now, so I can be a little bit more, uh, I can be a little bit more relaxed and free about it. But I have always affirmed the ministry team, and so I've not done ministry here so much in terms of praying for the sick. I do pray for them. I particularly pray for. Parents are struggling to conceive and stuff like that. But when I go away, it's different. And the first thing I always say to God when I'm I'm stepping up to minister, I say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Good place to start. The second thing then, just looking at this equal with God, let's just have that little tag up, equal with God, this accusation that is in fact an insight the second thing then is that Jesus says of himself, he is the way, the truth, and the life in John's gospel. The way, the truth, and the life. Now, we could preach a sermon series on that. But he, he says in this, he says in this passage that, you know, God is life and that he is, he is going to give life too. So he is equal with God in that, Yeah. You got it you're accusing me you think you're doing your but actually you you are speaking truth in spite of yourselves you know and uh, you know he says for justice the father raises the dead and gives them life even so the son gives life to whoever whom he so pleases the third thing moving quickly on because i want to do something else He's the righteous judge, you know. He says, uh, moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, to me. Wow, he's really kind of amping it up. And then thirdly, and perhaps most outrageously, if it wasn't Jesus himself, he says, you know, whoever does not, uh, um, you know, that all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. The honor that you give the Father, Father God, God Almighty, is the honor that you should and will indeed be giving me. I mean, this is an outrageous statement. No wonder he's going to end up on the cross. So what begins as a Sabbath healing, a bit out there, ends up as a full-on confrontation. It's interesting, as you read through the story of Jesus, you know, there are days when he seems to avoid confrontation. He slips away into the crowd. He slips away. But there are other times when he seems to be deliberately provocative. He seems to be seeking that encounter. And all that says to me is is that Jesus is totally in control of his destiny. It was not some mission that went horribly wrong that Jesus ended up on the cross at Calvary it was deliberate and it was intentional and Jesus knew what to say and who to say it to and when to say it he knew when to zip it he knew when to speak speak it he was was about his father's business and his father's business Luke 19.10 was to seek and to save the lost to seek and to save the lost Jesus was in total control he was manipulating the situation so we have this situation then that you know that that Jesus is clearly uh, and, and in key areas the giving of life the, you know, the judgment of God the honor and glory of God he is saying yeah you're right I am equal with God but what really what really excites me and what I really want you to take away from this is not just a, a, and we can never give Jesus enough uh, affirmation but not just another affirmation and insight into Jesus' standing in the Trinity, but the fact that he calls God Father and Father and, and he refers to himself as Son. And of course, that was the thing that started this, unfortunate, if you like, or fortunate, interaction. He puts himself on a par with God. He calls God Father. And that's the thing. It's the intimacy with God. That is absolutely key, and that's God's gift to us—intimacy with God. Now, when you're doing in you know, our various uh, training classes, our uh, quip and what have you, you know, we teach you about vineyard values, and we have always seen as foundational the call to sonship. Daughterhood, relationship with God And the intimacy that is a characteristic with that I had a very lovely few moments you know, 20 minutes or so on, on Friday afternoon Sam, our, our son and Sarah, our daughter-in-law Brought, brought uh, little Sonny, my grandson And our new granddaughter Eden To the house And I sat on the sofa And she was a bit restless uh, And she's only, what, four weeks old Or something like that and, uh, and I just took her and I just placed her on my chest. And she st- I would like to say she went into a deep sleep, you know, <laughs> resting on the, the hairy man of God's chest. It wasn't quite like that, but it wasn't far off. But it was just such a special thing. Uh, she's too young to understand the vocabulary I might use as I, as I you know, coo over her. And I'm certainly not particularly au fait with baby language well, you know I just don't, I'm not there yet but she lay on my chest on her front babies seem to breathe very quickly, I'm breathing and she's going very quick and it was just the most precious and most intimate of things and God the Father and we have been given permission to call him that, invites us to lay our heads on his chest so closely, if you will, you could hear his heartbeat and breathe. Just breathe. And so this this, um, power ministry thing, this ability to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit, is actually not about... So much about what to do and what not to do, or what what, you know whether you are honoured or or equal, or it's, it's actually about intimacy. Every single one of you can know more intimacy with God. That profound value in the vineyard, as a movement, not just this church, shapes the whole way we do our ministry. So, for example. Um, our worship, some of you may have you know, been to other great move, movements, you know, Hillsong and, and, and uh, what have you, and I love the high praise, I love it all, I truly do, but our call is to celebrate intimacy with God so our songs always have that intimate element we don't sing songs about God, we don't sing songs at the devil, oh devil you're in trouble, you know God's, I've got a big God and he's going to punch you on the nose, ho, ho, ho. I'm being facetious. But, but we don't sing about God like that in the vineyard. We celebrate intimacy. We celebrate in a very personal and direct way the language, the vocabulary, the lyrics are direct to God. It's not an accident. It's foundational to the way we do faith because we understand that Whatever we may do out there as part of the family business, whatever blessing we may be to folk out there or to one another in praying for the sick or praying for those who can't conceive, etc. It all starts with intimacy with God. Everything flows out of that. Intimacy with God. Knowing God as Father. Not just as Almighty Yahweh, but as Father. So, moving on from that, if that's the baseline, this intimacy with God, when we're thinking about ministering in power, when we're wanting to be more effective as we pray for the sick, as we pray for our neighbor, as we pluck up the courage to say to that person, you know, uh, sniveling on the, on the underground, do you mind I just pray a blessing on you? Well, good God. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Can I pray a blessing on you? you know, as you're looking to be more effective in those minutes and moments, those opportunities, it starts with you recalling, God is my father, I'm his daughter, I'm his son. And the father loves to reveal to his kids what he's he's doing, what he's about. Jesus had every expectation that the father would show him what he was about. And if you, t- if, you, if you forget everything else I say this morning, take this away, that God wants you to help. He loves it when you say, can I help? I, I saw a great little uh, picture of uh, Sonny, who was then two and a half, my, one of my grandsons, I mentioned him already, helping Samuel clean the car. And I just thought, Oh dear. I wouldn't really want him to do that. Because I know how that works. So I've tried it with other grandkids and other kids. They get the sponge. They drop it on the, in the dirt. And then they pick it up covered in dirt. And they go. You know, there's some help you don't really want. But Samuel was very gracious with him. And let him help. Father God always wants your help. He loves the fact that you want to help. And it begins with that relationship so the little key here then is jesus saying and i'm going to ask them uh, ask our av operator this morning uh, i can't see who he, oh, it's matt yeah thank you matt let's put up that john 5 19, uh, 20 verse again which we started with just shoved that up i think that's the next thing in the in the scheme and uh, jesus said this this was the beginning of the conversation the dialogue or whatever. He says, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And we've actually seen him do that in this passage. You know, this pool of Bethesda, which if you get the chance to go to Jerusalem, it's in the Muslim quarter. Uh, This pool of Bethesda, um, it it was a place where, as it says in in the word, where where invalids, people with long term illnesses, illnesses hung out and yet Jesus goes down there and walks by many sick people and goes up to this guy. Why does he go up to this guy? Because he's been there longest? Maybe but I imagine that there were people who had been as sick or sicker for longer. Because he's the most deserving. Well, Jesus says to him, go and sin no more. So he clearly wasn't, you know, the best of of people. Go and sin no more. Although we all sin, of course. Go and sin no more. Jesus stepped over people. And the 12th stepped over with him. And he went straight to this man. Why? The best answer I can give is that the father said to him, Go to that one. And what Father says, Father gets. What Father says, Father gets. And so Jesus, with his eyes open, his ears open, he says, The Father tells me what to do. He went to that person whom God, his Father, pointed out to him do you know that's why we, we pray with our eyes open in the ministry team do you, do you know that that's why we teach people to pray when you're ministering with your eyes open because when you start doing that there's an enormous amount that you can learn you realise you're partnering with the Holy Spirit you're not on your own thinking oh God oh God oh God I don't know what to do I feel so inadequate you know if you pray with your eyes open when you're ministering to someone, you begin to see what happens. You know, the first thing that you may you may see is, as the Spirit comes on someone, there is a physical reaction. There are very few people in my experience who, who when 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 God comes on them, can simply stand there, you know, like a pillar of salt. There's usually, as the poker players call it, there's a tell. You know, people who play poker, they often, you know, uh, so I understand, Not that I've, I don't even know how to play poker, but they, they, they wear big hats and dark glasses because they don't want their opponent to see the involuntary widening of the iris when they get a good hand and all this kind of stuff. In my experience, and the experience of many others, when the Spirit of God comes on someone in a ministry situation, there is a tell. One of the first things, and I think probably many of you know about this, is, is for many people their eyes start fluttering. And I generally don't start praying until I see God beginning to move on people. Uh, I have confidence that God will show up. When, I'm, when I say, come Holy Spirit, what's your name? I oh, thank you. What's the problem? Okay, thank you. Uh, okay, let's just relax and let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. And then I will wait. I have confidence that Because Father wants me to work with him, he invites me to, because the Holy Spirit is there to help us, I wait for the Holy Spirit to show up. I don't fill the space with inane, religious-sounding chatter. I just wait. Sometimes you have to wait a while. Very often, God starts moving.